Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. Due to copyright laws, some portions of this podcast have been edited out. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the Giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now, get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, continues with part four of our series, God at the Box Office. All right, good morning, Faith Church. It's good to see everybody. Hey, welcome to Faith Church. It's absolutely great to have everybody here. Again, I want to say hey to our Faith Church family. Welcome, guys. Good to have you this weekend. To all those who are watching online, I know Pastor Ryan already said hey to our guests. I want to make sure that you guys know that you absolutely are VIPs. We're glad that you're here and decided to spend a weekend with us. We hope that God does something great in everybody's life. Well, listen, it's that time of the year. We're headed back to school. Summer is over. It's a funeral. Or a party if you're an adult and you have kids and you don't have to put up with them anymore. So, but it is a pivotal time of year and uh, we want to take just a few minutes and before we jump into the message, I just want to acknowledge our teachers and administrators or daycare workers. If you have influence over um, young hearts and minds all the way up from preschool all the way through um, college, you really hold a unique role in our community. And we want to take a minute. We want to pray for you as you head into a new school year new semesters. So will you do me a favor? We don't really like make pe- making people feel awkward, but really we want to honor you. We want to pray for you. If you're a teacher, administ- administrator, preschool worker, any grade, I want you to jump to your feet. We want to pray for you as you start a brand new school year. Come on, y'all jump to your feet. Come on, let's show them some love while they're standing. Come on, church. So listen, we, uh, we're going to pray for you. We want to pray for this school year. We want to pray for our students as well. So church, will you join me? Will you pray with me? Will you agree with me just, uh, just for a minute while we pray for all of you guys? Man, we appreciate what you do. We appreciate your sacrifice and investment. So Father, we love you, God. We thank you for each and every person that's standing on their feet. God, we pray that they would absolutely know, God, going into a brand new school year, God, the opportunities they have. Father, not just to educate uh, minds, but Lord, to influence hearts. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. That, God, you give them patience, God, when it runs thin. Father, wisdom when they don't know what to do. Lord, I pray, Father, opportunities not just to give facts and figures and reading, writing, and arithmetic. But, Lord, I pray, God, to truly love broken hearts. God, to influence young hearts. God, I pray, God, to speak into this next generation. Father, I pray, use them this year, 2017 and 18. I pray, God, put your hand upon every teacher, every administrator, every campus. Father, we pray for our students, God, that God are starting a new school year. Lord, we pray that, God, you would use them, God, not just to grow, God, in their education, but, Father, use them as disciples for Christ. God, use them as light shining in a dark place. Father, we pray every plan of the enemy. God, would fail on our campuses. And Father, we pray that you you would show up, that God, you would use every student, every teacher, and every administrator, God, to do great things for your name. Father, we pray God's safety. God, we pray protection. Father, we pray God your hand upon this school year. God, every campus, Father, every teacher, every administrator, and every student. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. 
And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, one more time. Can we give it up for those? So how many people remember that those, uh, those pivotal times in middle school, especially when you're trying to figure out who you are? Middle school, for some of you in this room, it was a lot of fun. For some of you, you're glad it's over. It scarred you for life, and you're still in counseling as a result of going through those times. Um, middle schoolers especially are incredibly brutal. It's through that time, you know, we're trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to figure out what life is about, what we're like. We're trying to figure out our identity. You know, it's during those times that sometimes we compromise who we are. We compromise because we want to fit in. We don't want to fit out. We're trying to navigate getting on the right team, getting with the right group of people. We're trying to gain labels, and we're trying to lose labels. We're trying to be the right person, trying to not be the wrong person. It's during that time that, like, clothes start mattering, right? You know, when you're, when you're in elementary school, it doesn't matter if you wear, you know, the shirt you wore the day before and there's a Kool-Aid stain on it. You don't care. doesn't matter if your pants are too short and the flood's coming. You don't care. But something happens, right, when you start getting sixth grade, seventh grade, right in there, all of a sudden clothes started mattering. Where your parents bought your clothes from was a big deal. Um, I am a, a 70s kid, so I'm, I'm the Kmart generation. If you had to wear clothes from Kmart, you were losing your lunch money <laughs> to the kid that didn't have to shop at Kmart, right? Kmart, if you wore Track 5000s, those were the shoes you didn't want to wear. There were Chucks and Track 5000s, and you wanted the Chucks. I mean, it was a tough time, a tough time. I remember, and some of you guys were this way, I was, I was kind of brutal on some people. I probably need to go through my middle school yearbook. I probably need to, like, go back, find some people and apologize because... <laughs> I was kind of rough, but I'll be honest, I mean, I took a beating as well. In fact, early on in, uh, in my uh, probably sixth grade, I picked up a title. A friend, a friend uh, gave me this name. out. We were actually playing uh, football, and this name kind of stuck. Unfortunately, it didn't just kind of stuck. It kind of stung. Uh, early on, I picked up the name Crest Gel. Crest Gel. Crest Gel was this guy's way of saying that I had big teeth, white teeth, I don't know. All I know is it made me really self-conscious about my smile, really self-conscious. Um, in fact, so self-conscious, true, you can go back to uh, a, a couple years in my pictures, school year pictures, where, like, my smile was, like, I didn't want anybody to see my teeth. Like, I was just self-conscious because somebody had said something. Someone had tagged me. Someone had titled me. Someone had influenced me about what they said about me that kind of made me believe I was who they said I was. And so, man, those pivotal, pivotal times in, in middle school is so challenging. And here's the reality is, during that time, we know it that our identity matters. Identity is a big deal. Everybody say that. Identity is a big deal. But here's the reality. When you leave middle school, you don't leave your identity being a big deal behind. Our identity continues to be a big deal. In fact, as we jump into our movie clip for this, uh, this week, we're looking at Toy Story. And we find, you guys remember, most of you here probably have seen the movie. It's, uh, it's over 20 years old. And uh, it's a story about this young kid named Andy. Andy, he doesn't really play a key role in the movie, but Andy is the young kid, and it's all of his toys that happen to come to life when no humans are around. One of the key figures is Woody. Andy's favorite toy is a pull-string cowboy that, that he loves, he cherishes, until one day, Andy has a birthday, and all of the toys are nervous about being replaced. And sure enough, Andy gets a new toy. He gets a brand new Buzz Lightyear. And Buzz Lightyear steps on the scene in this clip, and he is convinced about his identity. So check this clip out. 
<laughs> yeah. Our identity is a big deal. Think about it again for everybody in this room, who you think you are. It's a big deal. And right in this clip, you find out again, Buzz Lightyear, he's confused about his identity. He thinks he's a real space ranger. He thinks he is the Buzz Lightyear. And he's a lot like us. It, sometimes we're confused about our identity. Sometimes we're not sure about who we really are. In fact, let me ask you a couple questions. Who are you? What defines you? Where do you get your identity from? What is it in? What shapes it? What drives it? See, for a lot of us, if I ask you that question, if we had a one-on-one -on -one conversation, if I said, hey, who are you? A lot of us, we immediately revert to a couple things. For some of us, we go back to our occupation. We go back to our careers. If you got me in a corner, if we had a conversation, one of the first things I'm going to tell you is, hey, I'm a pastor. It's a privilege. It's a joy. I love what I get to do. But for us, again, if I ask you who you are, if I ask you who you are, if I ask what defines you, you're going to say, hey, I'm a secretary. Hey, I'm a lawyer. I'm an attorney. I'm a business owner. It's that natural thing that we start to say who defines us. Other things that we rely on to define who we are in this world is not just our career path, but a lot of times it's our relationships. For me, I get the privilege to be married to an amazing woman, Shauna. We've been married for almost 25 years next June. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. I married up and she's hung on. 25 years. And I would say, hey, this is who I am. I'm a pastor. I'm married. I'm a husband. I'm also a father. I have three kids, two daughters, and a son, and it's who I am. It defines how I spend my time, what my day looks like, that, that I'm a father. If I ask you, who are you? You would tell me that, you know, that you, uh, you're engaged with somebody. You are a husband. You're a wife. You're an aunt. You're an uncle. You're a student. It's about who you are, and all of us, we define ourselves by the situations we find ourselves in, the career paths we're on. We define ourselves by our GPA. We define ourselves by our financial bottom line. If we don't like who we are, we try to redefine who we are by our body image. We try to lose weight. We try to chase a title or prestige. We try to define ourselves by the size we are, by the clothes we wear, the car we drive. I mean, our identity is a big deal. If our identity wasn't a big deal, you would never take a second look at the clothes you wear. You wouldn't have looked in the mirror before you left the house today. But our identity is a big deal. And sometimes it's not just the things we choose that are valuable and important. Like these things are valuable and important to me, that I'm a pastor, that I'm a husband, that I'm a father. But sometimes we've been tagged by things like Crest Gel. We've been given titles or we've been given terms that have shaped our identity. An identity we don't like, an identity that we wish wasn't true, but somewhere because someone told us it's who we are, we've bought into and we've believed. Again, I remember two key things. One, when I was in high school, I was told by a teacher. I mean, I always, again, I always did well in school, but I never really applied myself. And so it didn't take a real class clown in AP classes to kind of stand out. I'll never forget what one teacher, my AP geometry teacher, told me this in the 10th grade. He said, Steve, he said, you cause trouble everywhere you go. He wasn't laughing when he said it. You cause trouble everywhere you go. And I'm telling you, when, you, when you're in 10th grade, that's kind of funny, but when you're trying to get ahead in life and somewhere in the back of your mind, you've been told you cause trouble everywhere you go. Well, I want to succeed where I go. I want to achieve where I go. I want to get ahead where I go, but you cause trouble everywhere you go. I remember when I felt God's call on my life to go into ministry, and I was still struggling with um, some of my lifestyle issues and I remember telling a good friend of mine because I partied a lot in school 
still partied a little bit. And I told a guy, hey, man, I, I, I think I'm going to be a pastor one day. And he said, you, you're a partier. You can't be a pastor. You're a partier. And so those ideas of who I was, my identity, and for all of you in this room, you carry titles, you carry labels, labels that you've tried to make on yourself, labels that you wish you could have, labels that people put on you, and they are who we feel like we are. It's the world telling us we're something. It's us wishing we were something. And here's what I want you to know about all the labels that you wear and all of the titles that I wear, because our identity is a big deal. Every label that you believe identifies you falls in one of three categories. This is, this is big. Number one, the temporary. Everybody say the temporary. There are titles on your life, and they're just temporary. Now, you've allowed them to be really who you are forever, but I mean even some of the good ones are temporary. Stop and think about it. There was a time that I wasn't a father, I wasn't a husband, and I wasn't a pastor. So you're telling me I was nothing? See, I was something before these things ever came into place. Now, I'm proud of these things. I'm, I'm thankful God's blessed me to, to have these things and that this is part of my identity. But I want you to know something. I was something before I was this. And here's the reality is some of us in this room, some of the titles that you're chasing and some of the identity you hope for, even if you get it, here's the reality. It's probably temporary. I know people who were pastors because of one poor choice, lost their church, walked away from the ministry, and though they were a pastor and it was their identity, they're not a pastor today. So does that mean they're nothing? I know people, some of you in this room, that had a marriage, and it was a great marriage, and somewhere along the line, someone made a bad decision, and your relationship went south, and now you're no longer married. Does that mean you don't have an identity? Are you a divorcee? Is that all you are? We lose loved ones. People pass away. Sometimes relationships go south. Well, I love my kids and I hope they're always a part of my life. I just really believe that. I want that. I desire that. But you know what? I know people and you know people who the relationship with their kids went south and they've not talked in 10 years. Does that mean those people are nothing? See, the titles that even the ones we want and we love that we gladly wear and bear that define our life, most of them are just temporary. I was this. I was something before these things came into place. And if I lose all these, I still have an identity. The question is, what is it? Because identity is a big deal. Some of the titles that we wear and the tags we wear, they're twisted. Everybody say twisted. People have told you things about yourself, and I want you to know they're not true. When people told you you're nothing, you're nobody, you're stupid, you won't succeed, you'll never get ahead, you'll never make anything of yourself, you'll always be a loser, you'll always cause trouble everywhere you go. You're always a partier. I want you to know that was the world trying to define me, and this world is twisted, and the best it can do is give me a twisted title. But sometimes we've owned those and we bought those. But what we need to know is this is the category we're shooting for. The titles we need to bear and hold on to, some of them fall in this category. It's the truth. It's the truth. And the good news I have for everyone here today is this, is I love Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear, his, his thing is right to infinity and beyond. I want you to know that your identity, it's not in the temporary and it's not in the twisted. You have an identity in infinity. And your identity is in the infinity because your identity is connected and tied to the divinity. Who you are, really who you are, really who you were made to be, really who you are in this world isn't found in the things of this world and it's not found in who this world's called you. You are found in Christ. Your identity is in divinity. It's, you, it's a big deal who you are because of God and who he said you were. This is what we're going to talk about today. Who you are is a big deal. And God has a lot to say about your identity. There's a, there's a scripture in the Old Testament. Maybe you guys have heard the story of Job. 
right? Job is a guy, he was a great dad, had a huge family, had a great wife, long marriage. He was a somebody. He was a white-collar rich person, bottom line, had lots of money, lots of wealth. He was all the things that maybe some of you would ascribe to, want to, chase. He had it. He had all the titles. But you know what? Some of the things, again, are temporary, and he lost it all. And some of you have heard this, this scripture, and as I was getting ready for this this week, God reminded me of this scripture. Here's what Job said when he lost everything. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord's taken away. Come on, read this with me. But blessed be the name of the Lord. How could a guy who lost everything have an attitude like that? Do you know why? Because Job knew what... I know what I'm trying to tell you today, that Job had an identity in the divinity. Listen, there's stuff that I have that I might lose one day. There's stuff that I cherish I may not always be able to hang on to. But I want you to know something. Who you are in Christ is true right now. It'll be true when you're 100, and it'll be true 10,000 years into eternity. Nothing can ever take it away. Identity's a big deal. Think about the world that we live in today. Think about really the titles that people are chasing and pursuing Think about some of the things that people are elevating about their identity, though true. We live in a world right now where people are valuing things and it's dividing our nation, dividing our communities. Right now, it's a big deal. Race is a big deal. If you're white or black, Asian, Hispanic, Latino, it's a big deal. And we define ourselves by the color of our skin. We define ourselves by our people group. And I think it's important. I think heritage is important. Family is important. But right now, like, those are the ways that we're choosing to be identified. Right now, one of the choices people, the sides they're taking is your economic bottom line. Are you a one percenter? Are you the wealthy? Are you the white collar? And then there's the working class. And there's this divide, and we're grabbing our side, and we're holding on to our identity. For some of us, and if we're honest, this is a big deal right now in our culture, is sex. And I don't mean sex, having sex with someone else, but I mean sexual identity. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, on and on. It's a big deal that sexuality is somehow fluid. And regardless of where you stand on that issue today, I just want you to hear something. At the end of the day, people are picking sides and people are saying, this is who I am, or at least this is who I am today. And it seems like identity is fluid, but they're picking a side saying, I'm gay, I'm lesbian, I'm straight, I'm bisexual, I'm fluid, I'm not sure who I am today. And in the middle of culture trying to tell you to tag yourself with your wealth, with your color, with your sexual preference and identity, here's what the Apostle Paul said. He knew all this was coming. He said in Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek. It's not about your race. There's neither slave nor free. It's not about your economic bottom line. There's neither male nor female. It's not about your sexuality. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. What really matters is that our identity is in divinity. That's who shapes us. That's who defines us. That's where we find out who we are, what we're here. And that's a big, big deal. I want you to think about it because the Apostle Paul, he knows the world that we're living in and trying to figure out who we are. And so he goes through and he sends this church in Ephesus. He writes a blog, he sends an email, and this is what he says, trying to give some titles, trying to give some definition to who we are, to the identity. And he says this, I want you all to notice this. I'm going to give you a couple words. He says, Paul, who's writing this, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Come on, read this with me. To the saints 
who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. One of the things Apostle Paul says about you and I, you know what? It's we're a saint. I know you say, I ain't a saint because I'm a sinner. I want you to know what God says about you is far more important than what you say about yourself. You know God says you're a saint? Now, I'm not talking about a halo on a Catholic painting hanging in uh, a church somewhere. I'm talking about when God looks at you, even though you make mistakes, even though you fall short, even though you miss the mark, even though I still struggle at times with sin today, who God tells me I am is greater than even my own personal reality. And he tells me that you and I, that you and I, we are, come on, say it with me, a saint. Ooh, I like it. I'm a saint. Here's another one. Check this out. He goes through. He says this, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's writing to these saints and he says, blessed be the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Y'all got to read this just as he chose us. Come on, everybody shout, I'm chosen. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. I love it because God says, I'm chosen. Have you ever been rejected before? Did you ever not make the team? Did you ever not get caught off the wall for dodgeball? Did you ever not get in the club? Did you ever not get the job? Did you ever not get into the school you wanted? Did you ever not? Come on. Anybody here ever been rejected? And we're rejecting people. I don't know about you, but I don't choose people who don't choose me. You don't want to be my friend? Fine. I don't want to be your friend either. Unless, we want to, unless you want to be friends, then I can reevaluate. <laughs> but you know what God says? God says, listen, before you ever chose me, before you ever thought about me, when you didn't even believe in me, when you were far from me, when you were living a life that had nothing to do with me, God says, I chose you. I'm chosen. I was chosen before I knew I was chosen. And he says this, he says that I was chosen before the foundation of the world. That means when God, in his infinite wisdom and plan, before I ever began to exist in the foundation of the world that he chose me then. That means, listen, that means I'm not an add-on. That means I'm not an accident. That means God intentionally chose me and God intentionally chose you. Who are you? What defines you is that God chose you. Woo! And so he goes on. He says this. He says, having predestined us, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to God's uh, to good pleasure of his will. You know, the Bible says that you and I, that we are adopted as God's son. Now, that's such a big deal because I don't know about you, but when you have kids, you have the kids that come out of the womb, and no matter how ugly they are, beautiful, you're stuck with them, they're yours. You can't pick how they are, their behavior. You can't pick their hair color. You can't pick their eye color. You don't really have a lot of control over what your kids are like. But when you adopt somebody, you can go and pick the kids you want. You can pick the gender. You can pick where they're from, their nationality. You can pick them. You know what God says? God says, I've picked you on purpose. I knew you. I knew your background. I knew where you're at, where you're headed, and I have adopted you. Let me tell you about adoption in this time. Adoption in this time, generally, someone who was adopted, they had just as many rights as a natural-born child. Not only that, but they generally had more favor than a natural-born child because many times business owners during this time, they didn't, they're, they're, some of their children were irresponsible or were living lives that they didn't really necessarily advocate or get behind. 
And so they were looking for people to leave their wealth to, to pass their business on. And they looked at their kids and said, I can't trust you. I need to go adopt somebody that I can give my inheritance to. Do you know what God says? God says, I found somebody. You're not a third wheel. You're not an add-on. Listen to me. You have been adopted. You belong to God. You, he, come on. You have his last name. You have his DNA. You and I, we're his. That's awesome. Again, we define ourselves by the country we're from, the race, background, all of these things. God says the most important thing that defines you and gives you identity is that you are adopted as sons. See, when I think about all these titles, I'm not a sinner, I'm a saint. I didn't choose God, he chose me. I'm not a third wheel, I'm adopted. He goes on, come on, I'm not done. He goes on, he says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us, come on, say it, accepted in the beloved. Have you ever wondered if you're accepted by God? See, one of the things that I know every person in this room wrestles with at times, it sometimes comes up into my own heart. I have to remind myself not who I feel or who this world says I am, but who God said I am. Have you ever wrestled with shame and condemnation? Have you ever felt like, like you just couldn't do anything right? Have you ever thought maybe that God is disappointed with you? that you drop the ball one too many times. While that might be how you feel, do you know what God says? God says, I have accepted you in the beloved, which means because of who Christ is and what he's done for us, that he, we are accepted because he's made us acceptable in Christ. Because we are in Christ, God's son, and God died for our sins, we are accepted. What a revelation for you to know this today. Because again, when you start figuring out what your identity is, your identity is a big deal. When you figure out truly that you're accepted, what about when I make mistakes? You're accepted. What about when I fall short? You're still accepted. What about when I miss the mark? You're still accepted. What about, I, didn't, I missed church last week. You're still accepted. Had a fight with my wife. You're still accepted. Missed the mark. You're still accepted. See, there's never any place that God looks at you and says, yeah, I'm done. You're rejected. You and I, come on, church, are accepted. He goes on. I'm going to give you just a couple more here. He says, and in him we have redemption through his blood. I know that's a word we don't use a lot. What it means in this culture and society was there were slaves. People had the potential to buy a slave, to purchase them. And this is exactly who the Bible says we are, that we were slaves to sin. And through the blood of Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, through the price that he paid with his life on the cross. He bought us. He purchased us. And you know what he did? He bought us to set us free. We're not slaves really to God. We're free now to serve God because of what Christ done. Everybody here say this. Say, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I've been purchased by God. It's another title that God wants me to know who I am and where. And then this last one, he says this, the forgiveness of sins. <laughs> now, see, if you've never done anything wrong, you don't need forgiveness. I come today to talk to people who've messed up, messed up big, messed up often, messed up so big you thought you could never be forgiven. I want you to know today, listen to me, we wrestle with feeling like, or can God really forgive me? I want you to know today, God is shouting through his word, through the email of the Apostle Paul, that you and I, we are, not we will be, we are today, come on, say it with me, forgiven. If nobody ever forgives me, if this world turns its back on me in Christ, I'm forgiven, and so are you. See, it's a big deal. He goes on and he ends it this way. He says this. He says, and he's, ha he's made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in himself. See, what I want you to know is 
even though I'm a pastor and I'm a father and I'm a husband and even though I've been tagged in this world by things and trying to wrestle to get away, this is who I really am. And once you figure out, once you figure out your identity, your identity will influence your perspective. And it will influence your purpose. When I believe that I'm these things, it changes how I see other people. It changes while I'm, he- while I'm here. See, I'm not here for me. Because you and I were made by God and for God, then God has a right because he purchased us, because he made us his, because my identity and your identity is in him. Listen to me, that means he made you, he called you, he has a purpose for you, and it's greater than the culture of this world, it's greater than the divides and the sides that culture's trying to put us against each other. We have a calling and a purpose that's sure in God, because it's who we said we are. My identity is in divinity. That's where I'm found. This uh, Woody, he figures this out later on in the movie, even though he wrestles with the idea that he's just a toy. Finally, when he believes it, when he finds out his real identity, it disappoints him because he wanted to be Buzz Lightyear. He wanted to be a space ranger. He's sitting here in the scene you're about to watch, depressed, and Woody speaks into his depression about his identity. Watch this. Think about this. Each and every one of these labels, each and every one of these tags that define me. Just like Buzz, he figures something out, man, that it matters. It matters. His identity matters not as a Buzz Lightyear, but but by belonging to Andy. And for me, each and every one of these labels, because they're your labels too, if you're here and you're a Christ follower, you've given your life to Christ, these labels are yours. And the reason this is so important is we don't earn these. They're a gift. So you don't have to figure out like, how do I get those? Am I good enough? Did Did I give enough? These are a gift. You don't have to earn them. And they're not temporary, which means we can never lose them. These things are eternal. And because they come from the highest source, it's not twisted. This is truth. That every one of us in this room, that we put our trust in Christ, you are chosen. You are adopted. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are accepted. This is who we are. Our identity is in divinity. It's not who you are, but whose you are. It's not about what you have. It's about who you have. I thought I'd just put this on my shoe and maybe wear this around this week. This is who I am. I belong to Jesus. The Bible says that I'm written in his palm. I'm the apple of his eye. So are you. It's a big deal, our identity. And we chase it and we pursue it We allow other people to define us and culture to define us and situations to define us. You are defined by God. Paul, he ends this section, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. When you get a revelation of who you are, it changes everything because your identity will influence your perspective. And it'll influence your purpose of why you're here on planet Earth. I want to give you just one more section of scripture real quick because, again, we live in a society and a culture right now that's post-Christian. If you're a little bit older, if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s and up, you probably believe that we still live in a Christian society. We don't. We are in a post-Christian society, which means the majority of people right now in this country don't go to church. 53% of people do not attend church which means, listen to this, I just got to tell you this real quick, 
You can invite people to church. We encourage people to invite people to church. But at the end of the day, we got to take Jesus to people who won't come here. Share your personal story about what God has done for you. And I promise you, God will help you to win people to him. But a post-Christian society, 23% of people in our nation are atheists or agnostic. And so our society is shifting and changing. And here we are as Christ followers. We believe in God. We believe in his son, Jesus. We believe he died on the cross so we could have eternal life. We believe in a heaven. We believe in a hell. We believe these things that the world at large don't believe in. And because they don't believe it, they're trying to shift who you are and change what you believe. And they're telling you if that's what you want to believe, then be quiet. Shut up. We don't want to hear it. And in a post-Christian culture, we have to decide how will we live. And if you allow this society and this culture to define you, then you'll be who they want you to be. And you'll be who they defined you to be. There's a story, you need to watch it, because there's a guy by the name of Daniel who is living very much in a post-Christian society, being raised a good Jew, going to the temple, worshiping God. One day, God allows this global kingdom, some of you remember from history, the Babylonian Empire, to sweep in to Jerusalem. They destroy the temple. They take a large part of the nation of Israel, Jewish people, into captivity. One of these young men is godly, man, loves the Lord. And God allows him and three of his best friends to be taken into captivity. King Nebuchadnezzar wants to leverage the wisdom, the smarts of these four young guys into his court so he can be a better king. One of the first things that happens, and you're going to see this, is that King Nebuchadnezzar tries to redefine who they are. It says, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the staff renamed them. These Babylonian names, Daniel was called Belshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, Azariah was called uh, Abednego. You say, why does that matter? Here's why, because the very next verse says this, these two words, but Daniel. Everybody say, but Daniel. But Daniel, and you can go on and you can read, and Daniel refused to be defined by the world he lived in. He refused to be defined by the king, by the kingdom, by the culture, by the society. He knew who he was, and he knew whose he was. And because he refused to be redefined by the world he lived in, God used this young man not to influence one, not two, not three, but four global empires. God used a young man who knew his purpose, who had a great perspective because his identity was in divinity. He said, listen, you can call me Belshazzar, but I'm not Belshazzar, I'm Daniel, because God said so. Here's what I want you to know. Listen, this is real big. A couple of verses. We're gonna... When you allow yourself to be redefined, you allow your purpose to be reassigned. See, you have a purpose while you're here. And when you allow this world to define you, you're letting go of your purpose because your purpose comes from who God says you are. And you and I, we're saints, we're chosen, we're adopted, we're redeemed, we're accepted, we're forgiven. And that drives our perspective and it drives our purpose. There's a young man, I started listening to a podcast, I'd encourage you maybe to check it out, Mike Rowe. Anybody remember Dirty Jobs, Mike Rowe? He's got a podcast, he does a five-minute thing once a week, tells some pretty cool stories and This is on one of his podcasts, and I think it kind of fits today. Mike Rowe tells the story of a young man by the name of Peter Hernandez. Peter Hernandez was born to performing parents, so he himself naturally grew up a performer. 
In fact, at age three, he was doing five shows a week with his parents. By age five, he was the youngest Elvis impersonator in the nation. It was just natural to him. And he didn't just do Elvis. Eventually, he loved doing James Brown. He could do an uncanny Michael Jackson. And at age 17, he bought a ticket and he flew from Hawaii to Hollywood to pursue his dreams, to have his name written in lights, and to be a global name. When he got to Hollywood, Motown immediately signed him because they seen the talent. But they wanted him to be a Latino singer. He had the name Peter Hernandez. He had the heritage. He had the look. They were, they were looking kind of for the next Latino heartthrob that re would replace Enrique Iglesias. That's not who he wanted to be. That's not who he was. He wanted to be a mix of Elvis, Michael Jackson, James Brown with his own flair. And because he refused to be redefined by Hollywood, he lost his contract and eventually found himself penniless on the streets. And one day he remembered his dream. He remembered why he was there. And he's standing out, and the way Mike Rowe tells the story is he was looking up, and he remembered that his dad used to call him the nickname of a professional wrestler. And he tied that nickname by looking up into the stars with a shiny object in the sky. And he went back with this new identity and this new name. He went back, and he got re-signed by Atlantic Records. His first record had 10 Grammy nominations. He went on to become a global name. You listen to it. You know his music. I know his music. He got to stand on the 50-yard line at MetLife Super Bowl 48 and sing. Not Peter Hernandez, not with who Hollywood said he had to be or needed to be, but who he wanted to be. Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars said, I refuse to be redefined and my purpose reassigned. And I think about, that's just a musician. What about people who are called for eternity? I want you to know, listen to me, there's a lot of labels we're chasing. A lot of labels been pinned on us we don't want. It's who you are in Christ that matters most. Your identity is in divinity. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that God, you would speak to every person in this room. I pray God, you would pull off titles and tags and identity that have been pinned on us. I pray that God, you would remove the things that God we're pursuing, that God really are not who we are. It's not about race, money, sexuality. God, it's not about where we work. God, it's not about the temporary, it's about the eternal. I pray, God, every person would know in this room that have surrendered their lives to you, that, God, their identity is in Christ. And it's the greatest identity that they can have. And so, Father, I pray you would shape our perspective and you would shape our purpose because we belong to you. And, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we give God thanks today? <laughs>